Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. Last year, a friend, Julie and I, decided to go backpacking in an NC section of the Appalachian Mountains. It was a relatively remote mountain or trail with a Boy Scouts camp at the base. We were planning on hiking the length of the trail from one side of the mountain to the other, which was supposed to take about four days, I think. We drove separately to the mountain and Julie beat me to the parking area of the trail, which consisted of dirt road right next to a creek. There were three other cars parked, including hers. I met up with her and we started hiking up the approximately 3,000 feet to the summit at around 3pm. Now, I had backpacked two times before and camped about three times before this. I was pretty young each time and someone else was in charge of researching the area that we were in, but basically checking the weather for the time that we'd be there and what the camping area was like, but this time, I was the one who had decided where to hike. I didn't look at the weather or what was going on with the trail at the time, just that it looked beautiful and like a fun trek. Well, Julie was quite experienced with backpacking. She used to work for a company that led school kids on Appalachian trail trips and was the reason that I trusted her as my backpacking partner. She had looked up the weather and the status of the trail, and apparently we were in for thunderstorms for the week. On top of that, the accomplice in an unresolved homicide case was last seen on this trail. Stupidly though, I wasn't too put off by this. So, as we hiked up the mountain, we passed what I now know were the owners of the other cars in the parking lot at the base of the trail. A woman and a man who were walking their adorable dog. A man with a fully equipped backpack. I didn't think about it at the time and another man who had hiking sticks and seemed to be just out for a day hike, I suppose. At around 5pm, we were exhausted because the trail was pretty much straight up. We found ourselves in a relatively open area close to the summit and decided to set up camp. Despite the area being cleared, no one was around besides a few campfires that had been there for a while because the last rains had been about a week ago. So we set up our tents, and then we go to find firewood... 
and well, 20 feet up the mountain from our camp, there was a, an apparently abandoned tent. We ignored it at first because, well, we didn't want to be rude. Eventually, though, we realized that there was no one else around. I decided to look inside the otherwise pristine tent. The rain fly wasn't on, so I peered inside one of the ventilation flaps. Inside was a wet sock and three cliff bar wrappers and an unused condom. Weird, but no one was around, so we ignored it. We ate dinner and tied our bear bag and went to sleep. And as soon as I zipped my tent door closed, rain started to fall. I'm not going to lie, I'm not the most acclimated to sleeping on a flat hard surface, so my night was characterized by periodic moments of restlessness to readjust. It was pitch black too, so it was difficult to determine whether I was dreaming or awake. During the night though, I thought I heard two people come up the trail from the direction Julie and I had come from. They stopped about 10 feet away from our campsite, whispered to each other, and then one of them walked through our camp. The next morning, I woke up, surprisingly well rested, I must admit. And as we were eating breakfast, I told Julie about my dream. She told me that it couldn't have been a dream though, because she experienced the same thing. And that was when I noticed the footprints through our camp. Naturally, we went to the location of the mysterious tent from the day before, and it was still there. Well, we continued our hike to the summit in the rain that hadn't stopped from the night before. The summit's portion of the trail was impassable due to overgrowth, so we went back to our cars and we left. And to this day, I've been left wondering why two people would hike up 2,900 feet of difficult trail in the pitch blackness of night without flashlights while it's raining only to walk through our camp. Years ago, when I was still a teenager, my friend Justin and I would often go longboarding at night, as my friends and I were quite the night owls. We loved the freedom of almost never seeing another soul on the roads or the paths that we frequented. Even when using main roads, it would be pretty rare to see a car out so late in such a rural area, and you could see and hear them coming from very far away due to the headlights and the noise of the vehicle disrupting the peaceful silence of the night. We were really into it at the time and would often ride our boards for miles and miles, sometimes not arriving home until the sun was up. One particular night, we decided to ride a few miles away from our usual back roads to take one of our favorite hidden routes. It began with a narrow paved path that was the only piece of land separating two sides of a long lake. It would often sink under due to rain and we wanted to seize the opportunity to use it before it rained and went underwater again. It was roughly two miles long and was extremely relaxing to ride though due to the scenery. After making it to the end of the lake, we decided to continue moving and turn into a very close path that leads directly into a densely wooded wilderness preservation. As we came up to the first hill, we looked down at the bottom into the blackness and we both noticed what appeared to be a, a tiny moving ball of dim light down there. It moved so strangely and it was extremely difficult to make out what it was. Rather than shine our flashlight down though, we curiously watched it for a few moments, whispering to each other about what it could possibly be. All at once though, that small light turned into multiple blinding lights and extremely loud revving sounds, overwhelming our senses that had become accustomed to the dark and the silence. 
Acting purely on fear, we instantly turned around and ran as fast as we could, hearing yelling and revving gaining behind us. By sheer luck, we managed to run off the path into a very dark, very overgrown hole in the side of a hill overlooking where we'd just come from. We decided to hide in the natural dugout of this hill, hoping the plants and the darkness would be enough to protect us from whatever was happening out there. We watched our pursuers right up to where we had originally been standing. There were four men, two on four wheelers and two on full-size motorcycles. They were yelling at each other about something, but we couldn't make out what they were saying due to the distance that we'd covered. We felt safe enough, though, to whisper softly to each other and speculated who these people could be. Our first thought was that they might be park rangers of some kind, although we had never seen one here in the many times that we'd been, though. And honestly, we doubted that this country had the budget or even the desire to have anyone patrol the deep woods at night. Besides that, though, these men were on vehicles entirely inappropriate for the paved bike trails and they were very angry about something. But they called out to us for a while, yelling things like, we know you're out there and we can see you, come on out. But we stayed silent and decided to call their bluff instead of running. Eventually, we clearly heard one of the men yell, find them now, and smashed a bottle. They had erased any hope that we had that these were just park rangers at this point. We watched them split up, each of them going a different way down the series of paths on their vehicles, including the path that we had come from. It took us what felt like ages to even move. We were frozen in terror inside the dugout, watching the lights from the vehicles travel through the woods and the paths, one of them already coming full circle and passing the point that we started from. I thought about calling for help, but... I was too afraid to open my phone in fear that even the smallest amount of light would give away our location. After waiting for the lights of the vehicles to reach their farthest distance yet, we finally summoned the nerve to get up and try to run somewhere far enough from these people to safely make a call. We ran as hard and as fast as we could through those woods. Since their headlights gave away their location on these paths, we would hide again whenever we felt that they were getting too close. Our available hiding spots were getting progressively worse though as the woods became less dense and the fear I felt waiting for one of them to drive past us while basically only being covered in leaves and plants may still be unmatched to this day. Finally though, we emerged from the woods into the intersection of the two main roads, far from where we had started. We ducked down into the ditch to call for help. When I opened my phone, I noticed I had recent missed calls from one of our other friends. Connor, who we were supposed to meet up with after our longboard excursion. I called him and frantically asked where he was, and luck was with us again because he hadn't given up on our plans despite us ignoring him, and was only a few miles away, already heading in our direction. I gave him the names of the two streets that we were near the corner of and explained that we needed to be picked up right away. He agreed to speed over to us while Justin and I waited in hiding. Thankfully, Connor arrived before any of these men did. We bolted into the backseat of his car, yelling for him to get out of there, and he took off. And relief does not begin to describe what I felt being safely driven home after everything that I had just experienced. After explaining everything that happened to Connor, we ended up just moving on with our night and decided not to call the police in the end. We figured they would be gone by the time any officer made it out of there anyway and that we would only be putting ourselves at risk by admitting to breaking the law by taking those paths so late at night. I still have no idea what happened or who those people even were. I've been told all kinds of theories from friends and family that have heard this story. 
Some think that we may have walked up to a huge drug deal or something. Justin and I later admitted to each other that when the revving started that we couldn't see. Both of our minds went straight to chainsaw-wielding horror movie serial killer stuff, so I suppose it could have been much worse. Frustratingly enough, whatever those men thought that we saw that made them want to catch us so badly, we never actually saw ourselves. And so we'll never really know, I suppose. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So, this happened to me on Thursday, April 25th, and I still can't shake off just how terrifying and strange it all was. So I was home alone, getting ready for my 12 o'clock college class that morning, and I opened my blinds to let some natural light in. I glanced out my window, and I saw a man in his mid-30s wearing a baseball cap roaming around my property, with his hands on his hips, walking with a lot of weird confidence. Now, our yard is kind of like a cliff and it looks over onto five acres of property down below. I live in the PNW, so it's a pretty scenic view. But I was really confused and thought maybe it was a worker that my mum had hired for our renovations on the house admiring the view or something. I'm a little bit uncomfortable at this point because the dude walks to the side of my house out of sight. I head upstairs though to see him now roaming around my front yard and my driveway, looking at things, checking out my house, etc. He still hasn't seen me at this point, though. I call my dad and ask him if we hired anyone to come by the house, and he says not that he knows of, and tells me that he's going to call my mum and ask her, and then call me back. I'm waiting for the call when I notice this strange dude's car. It's a white Honda, but it doesn't have any license plates. Just... Park parallels on my front door. 
The dude still hasn't seen me and he's still wandering around, so I take this as an opportunity to remember that we have a security system and I armed it, so if he did break in, it would immediately alert the police. If this was some sort of professional or worker, he would ring my doorbell or knock at least once. He did neither though. And just then I get a call back from my dad saying that neither him or my mum hired anyone to come by today and that I need to call our local police station immediately. I went back downstairs after making sure to lock every door and window upstairs and called my city's police station. I explained to a woman on the other end what was happening and she decides that she's not going to send an officer out and instead gives me a number to call their emergency dispatch line and told me to talk to them. I call the number that she gave me and immediately I get an automated message saying thanks for calling, basically that's it. At this point I'm really irritated because 15 minutes has passed and this weird dude is still lurking around my house when I'm home alone and apparently that wasn't enough to warrant an emergency to the lady that I called at my local police department. So I hung up and decided to call 911. After getting in touch with the 911 operator, I was asked a series of questions about his appearance before they would even alert officers near me to start heading toward my house. The whole thing seemed just really weird because nobody was in a hurry to have officers come up to my place when I was a younger girl home alone with this strange guy lurking around. I asked the officer if I could stay on the line with her when she finally, after what seemed like forever, alerted police to come to where I was and she agreed and I went back upstairs to check on the weird guy and he's now sitting in his unplated Honda, either listening to a radio show extremely loudly or on a phone call with someone through his car. It was a very prominent and loud male voice coming from his car and then all of a sudden I hear the tone you hear when someone hangs up on you and the operator was no longer on the line. I was really confused when my thoughts were interrupted by an unrecognized phone number calling me. I assumed it was the operator calling me back, so I picked it up, and instead I was greeted by a really creepy heavy breathing. I'm not sure who it was, but it really freaked me out. So I hung up immediately and dialed back 911. I had been pretty calm up to this point, but that phone call put me into panic mode immediately. I got on the phone with another operator who already knew my situation and address before I could even explain it to her, and she said that the cops were on their way. 20 minutes had passed at this point. The dude is still here in his car, and the cops aren't. But keep in mind, too, that I live in a smaller town, so there is no reason why it took the cops as long as it did to come down. Finally, this dude is leaving my driveway right as the cops pull in, and they stop him and ask him a few questions. The cop then comes to my door and hands me a sketchy looking flyer saying that it was just a landscaper and he said he had an appointment. I was really relieved and irritated that it was just a dude that my mum had hired, until I realized that it just wasn't. I called my mum back and said that the cop said it was just a landscaper that you hired and that he had an appointment. My mum replies with, I assure you that we never hired a landscaper, but we don't even need one. Apparently, according to the police, the guy got a slap on the wrist for not having his license plates on his car, but that was about it. When I lived with an ex and her family, 
Her dad's van was keyed pretty badly, so being an electrician and all, he decided to set up cameras overlooking the street where we parked our cars. The camera was accessible via an app which I had on my iPad and it would pick up any movements, record it and save it or alternatively you could watch it live. The house was just around the corner from a pub so we just assumed it was some drunk person mucking about on their way home or something. Anyway, one Saturday morning I go out to the street to see that all our cars had been keyed. I frantically checked the app and there was an update at 11.30pm but it was just a dog walker. Myself and my girlfriend's dad check all the updates from the last 24 hours, but there was nothing, which was really strange. We thought that maybe someone could have moved the camera because it wasn't plain view outside of the house, so my girlfriend's dad moved it to a more subtle position. And from then on, every Friday night for several weeks, we'd have the iPad set up in the living room watching the camera live. But, as is typical with these things, nothing really happened and we soon just lost all interest and pretty much forgot about it. A few months later, I was on my iPad in the house on a Friday night, deleting some apps when I came across the camera app. Me and my girlfriend shared a joke and decided to watch it live to see if the cars would get keyed again. We were having Chinese food and watching a film and set up the iPad on a table in the corner of the room. At around midnight, my girlfriend had gone to bed and I was watching the end of the film with my dog when something caught my eye on the iPad. I totally forgot that I'd left it running and I watched the screen as I saw what looked like an old lady walk past the house and the cars, which immediately piqued my attention because what was she doing out at this time, I thought. Something to do with a church maybe that was opposite? Soon though, she disappeared out of shot as she waddled down the street. About five minutes later, the movie had finished and I turned all the lights off in the living room. The only light that I had on was the iPad screen. I picked it up and went to turn it off, but stopped when I see something on the screen. It was the old lady again, standing outside the house. Just stood perfectly still, staring straight into the camera. What the hell is she doing, I thought. It was actually pretty terrifying. I mean, she must have stood there for a good two minutes before reaching one hand into her pocket and pulling an object out and walking over to my car. She then frantically started using the object on the top of the bonnet. Me and my dog then bolted out of the back door. I unlocked the gate and burst out onto the street, ready to catch this old lady, red-handed, but there was nothing. The street was completely empty. No old ladies and just the parked cars outside the house. I even jogged up and down the whole street, but I didn't see anybody. Now, there is just no way that she could have got away in the seconds that it took me to get out of the house like that. Confused, I eventually went to bed and the next morning I told my girlfriend and her old man all about what happened the previous night. He studied the recordings and the camera had picked it all up to her walking past originally and her walking away after she had vandalized the car and me and my dog appearing a split second later on camera. My girlfriend's dad took the recordings to a work colleague in hopes that he could enhance the picture quality so that we could see the lady in more detail. It worked and we got to see her in her full glory and my girlfriend's mum recognized her. She lived two doors down from us and regularly visited the church opposite. We used the recording and reported it to the police, but my girlfriend and I split up soon after that, so I don't really know what happened. I certainly never saw a penny for any of the damage caused to my car, but 
But what still sits with me, though, is the fact that I can assure you that I never saw that woman when, according to that footage, I should have. This happened about a month ago, and it's been really bugging me since then. This will be a bit of a long one, but setting up the scene is important. So, my family has a cabin that we've had since the 60s, and I've been going there for pretty much my entire life throughout the years. It's nestled in a little town of less than 2,000 and surrounded in vast forest and farmland. You can see cows everywhere, and stray dogs who will let you pat them, and you'll see maybe 30 people in a day if you go to the little town shops and small mum and pop restaurants, but it's basically the definition of a small country town. Since I've been going here my entire life too, I pretty much know everyone, well my family knows everyone at least. Men dress in western clothes and big jeans and old flannel shirts and belts with big ass buckles, and women dress in jeans and tank tops with country factory logos on them. They're all nice enough, but mostly they just kind of keep to themselves. So, I'm driving up there one night to meet my parents since they'd gone down the night previously to open the cabin for spring. My boyfriend had also flown in so that he could meet my family who lived up there. I'd been driving until it got dark, about a two hour and ten minute drive from my house, and he had taken over driving around 10pm. There's also a little national park close by, about 15 miles in total of land, and since I'd fallen asleep and couldn't give directions, he decided to log the address into the GPS. It took him through the back way through the park that I never drive through, so when he woke me up to ask where the next turn was since the GPS said that he could go either way, it took me a minute to figure out where the hell we were. There were no lights anywhere, and we were the only car for about 15 miles, long forests with tall giant trees on either side of the road with an only deer or two in the woods to keep us company. I mentioned switching drivers because I remember that the road, the entrance to the park, would lead directly to the intersection that would go through a small community up to the mountain my cabin was on. But it was prime, leave a toy baby on the side of the road and kidnap someone when they check it out, territory. It was dark enough and the forest was thick enough that we joked about some cult members could be hiding out there or something. Hell, maybe they actually were. Needless to say though, we decided that stopping was not a good idea. We eventually passed through a small clearing or intersection, not the one that we wanted, with a dinky concrete building on the side of the road with one light on and a car pulled in the slanted gravel ground. My boyfriend drives forward and we see two people there. My gut immediately twisted and I started to feel sick. Sick enough to feel ice cold run through my veins and needing a hand on my stomach. I mean, you never see people at night here. And it was two kids, teen boys. In fact, probably around 15 I'd say. They were wearing city clothes, Nike shorts and obnoxiously coloured sports workout clothing and just looking very out of place. They saw us coming and walked away from what looked like an old beat up El Camino, probably 1965 I'd say. It's important to note that the paint was completely gone and it had light brown dirt or rust covering the whole body. They waved and smiled at us and that was what freaked me out the most. I didn't have a damn clue who these people were and I knew a gas station that was right up the road and they could just walk there. I could see it past the road and the overbridge ahead in fact. That building was also abandoned, so how was there a light on at all? 
But they walked out onto the road, almost blocking us from going forward, and my boyfriend had to slow down not to hit them as they continuously waved their hands and smiled at us, maybe saying something, but I couldn't hear it. I remember my and my boyfriend's conversation going something like this. Hey, uh, should we stop? He asked, looking nervously at me with a hand on the gear shift. No, absolutely not. Just keep driving. I said, clenching the door handle and double-checking it to be locked. But what if they're actually in trouble? I don't care. I, I don't know them and my gut's telling me that we just need to leave. That building is abandoned and it shouldn't have a light. And hell, their car is abandoned. Just drive, please. And he quickly drove around them and slammed on the gas, trying to calm me down since the whole scene scared me in such a specific and bizarre way. The images of getting out of our car as some stranger got in flew through my head. I looked behind us as we left them and they stood in the middle of the road with a cross between an angry look and a calm stare and didn't move from the road until we turned and we couldn't see them anymore. But who were those kids and why were they wearing city clothes? They looked too young to be driving cars and I knew for a damn fact that the car they acted like they owned had been there for months. I knew because I remember seeing it last summer when my dad pointed out the model and I said how I wanted one. We finally made it out though and found the intersection that we wanted that led to the familiar gas station and he didn't hesitate when I said that I needed to drive next. About 10 or so minutes later we get to my cabin, half-heartedly laughing about it the whole way there and when I told my parents about it, they didn't reprimand us for not stopping. It was almost 12am by that time and the night wasn't so bad that those kids would freeze or anything and they agreed with us the whole situation was terribly weird. Should I have actually stopped? Maybe. Can I change what I did? No. Did I feel comfortable stopping? Absolutely not. I don't know who those two teen boys were but the whole situation just felt very ominous. This story happened about five years ago when I, female 19, was 14 or so. So me and my friends went through a phase around then where we were obsessed with playing with my Ouija board. We would use it every weekend, sometimes feeling like we were contacting something, but none of us were ever really sure if it was something else moving the planchette. One day, when we were riding our bikes in the trails of the woods near our houses, we found this little shack... Looking back, it was on somebody else's property and was probably just a hangout spot that the owners made, but our first thought was, oh my goodness, how spooky. We peeked inside and lo and behold, there was a Ouija board and a planchette sitting right on the floor with a few chairs sitting around it. We discussed taking it, but decided it was pointless since we already had one and went back home empty-handed. However... A couple of weeks later, we were using my board at a playground at night and for reasons that I don't remember, decided to leave it hidden in the park and get back to it the next day. But when we came back to get it though, it was missing. Since it was my board and it had been my friend's idea to stash it in the park for the night, I was pretty upset and ordered everyone to get on their bikes and come with me to get the Ouija board that we found in the woods the other week. We went back down the same trail and found it sitting in the same place that we last saw it. That night too, we decided to use our new toy for the first time, inside the shed next to my house. There were three of us touching the planchette, and another four or so standing around holding lights. 
We started doing our normal intro ritual, asking if anyone was there and who would like to speak to us and such, and I just started to feel extremely lightheaded as if I was about to faint. I tried to say something, but found that I was unable to speak. Finally, I decided to just stand up to get everyone's attention, and the next thing I remember is standing outside the shed leaning over with my hands on my knees while everyone stared at me in shock. And this is what happened, according to my friends. Allegedly, I stood up and calmly walked outside the shed and, and started puking rather violently. The vomit was definitely puke, but the color of it was really dark red and looked a lot like blood. My friends were kind of in shock and asked if I was okay, and that was when I spoke and I said, stop playing. They immediately took their hands off the board and everyone ran to me and started yelling and shining lights on me, and before everyone was even out of the shed, I wasn't puking anymore. Ever since then, nothing weird or paranormal has happened in my life like so many other stories, but I've always been a believer before and especially after that event. I mostly just appreciate the fact that I have a damn good scary story to tell people and I'm also wondering if anybody can tell me what they think caused that to happen or if you guys have any similar experiences that you could share. Thanks for listening and I look forward to hearing your stories too. So a little context... I just recently moved and lived by myself for the first time. I live in a trailer because, well, it's really cheap, but the area is a little on the sketchy side. I've been here for a month now and nothing too strange has happened. I'll also add that, yeah, I am a bit of an idiot. So, ever since I moved in, I keep hearing these strange sounds around my house, like someone creeping around near the not-so-thick walls of the trailer. There are a lot of stray cats around this area though, so I've pretty much come to ignore them, chalking it up to the cats wandering around. Lately though, I keep hearing sounds near the bathroom window. It's almost like someone dragging a stick along the side of the wall outside. I have blackout curtains on every window and the blinds are always closed, but the bathroom only has a sheer white curtain and the window is that mottled textured glass that just gives a mosaic view if you look in. I'm equal parts dumb and cowardly, so I never peep out the windows when I hear these weird noises. About a week ago, someone started banging on my door though, and this was like banging frantically. And this is where me being a dumbass factors in. I debate answering the door, but then the banging suddenly stops. My stupid curiosity gets the better of me, and I open the door and see a skinny man in dark clothes. It's 7pm and the sun is almost completely set, so I can't make out his features. And he's just standing there, turned back looking at me. I ask, did you need something? He stared in my direction for maybe a solid 10 seconds and then just walked a few unsteady steps away. Then he turned back and looked at me and pointed up at the sky wordlessly. Then he turned his head up to the sky and stared up for a while. Then gave me one last look and turned away and meandered unsteadily down the unlit street. I closed and locked my door, confused about the encounter. I had continued hearing the weird sounds outside my house and actually started trying to glimpse through the sides of the curtains to find the cause, but still not courageous enough to actually draw them back and look right out. Just about an hour ago, I heard the strange noise again in my bathroom and then listened to it slowly travel to my bedroom window. 
My bathroom is connected to my room. The sound abruptly stopped for a time, then I heard it very slowly scrape against the wall back to the bathroom and it was gone again. This whole situation is actually starting to freak me out a little bit now, but of course it could always just be the cats and I could be overreacting. But then again, I don't know who that man was or what he's doing around my house when these weird noises are happening. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.